Welcome to Tales from Baja. We are recording from our house today. Yeah, our, our living room. Yeah, this is our, well, I guess our first podcast we recorded, that five-minute podcast here, but every other podcast has been in Baja, right? This is, well, we had one that was the uh, uh, wine tour, Baja wine tours. Oh, Mario. That was in Chula Vista. Baja winery tours. Baja yeah. winery yeah, tours. Yeah, yeah. And then we had our intro, which we recorded in our dining room. But mm-hmm. this is the first in our living room. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. There's, so, there has it, to be a of first. course, th- this is the reason why we had to start this podcast with uh, a, a glass of mezcal. Oh, yeah. Yes. I love it. And I'm, I'm stoked because I'm a huge sports fan. And uh, today we have Nate Aburea, who's the play-by-play, English language, play-by-play voice for the Tijuana Cholos, also one of the voices for the San Diego Soccers. Cheers, my man. Yes. Welcome. Cheers to you. My, my first time in your living room apparently also <laughs> coincides with the first time you guys are recording this fantastic Tales from Baja podcast here in this living room. And the living room has Fine Mescal lined up apparently oh, yes. for my arrival. So I am forever that loyal to not only you guys, but to this living room as well. Cheers. Well, yes, you keep, cheers. You keep cheers. drinking up, my man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be fun because, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm a big sports fan. So we'll get into a little bit of Tijuana Cholo's action. I do have a couple soccer questions for you, too. Okay. Um, we are recording a couple days after the Cholos fell to Lyon mm-hmm. uh, in the playoffs, but pretty cool that they made it, right? It was a a mixed season with a a positive tone, I think, at the end of it. Yeah, it ended poorly with the two playoff games, but I think there were a lot of positives to take away from Oscar Pareja's first season as Cholo's manager, a Colombian uh, native coming to to Tijuana. So some great connections to you, Adriana, and, and to a lot of people who look at Cholos as, as a, a team that's aspiring to actually be part of a, of a grander kind of Western Hemisphere soccer ecosystem. And, and I think Pareja is a, a really interesting character, and I'm excited to see what his second season is going to bring. I think a lot of people thought that this team was going to be terrible this year, but uh, Pareja at least got them in to the playoffs. So here's to next season. Yeah, it seemed yes. like uh, over the last couple of months they caught fire a little bit, had a nice little string there, and... Uh... You know, like I said, it fell to Lyon, but it was fun, uh, fun ending. It was fun. It was it was fun for a while. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride at times, but I, I think we we come back to the word fun and and the word entertainment. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of both of those words throughout the season, and I think a lot of people were very grateful for it. And they want success in Tijuana. They they want to see this team win and do well. But I think people are also on both sides of the border. Fans of this team are are realistic about where it's at right now, and and need to accept that what happened this season is a a step in the right direction. And I'm hopeful that that Pareja, the uh, el, el generalito, as he's uh, <laughs> as he's known, I hope that uh, he gets the time that he deserves to to carry this team forward mm-hmm. nice. cool cool so so nate you're from northern california originally or, originally yes. you made your way down to the san diego area why what, what brought you down here one of the things that brought me down here was uh Cholos, was the team that, that we were just talking about and i've always had a bit of a nomadic soul and and just a desire to to go where my heart wants to go, and basically at the beginning of 2016, had an opportunity where work had dried up, for lack of a better way to put it, and it was a, a chance for a fresh start. And there was, I think, four options on the table within the state of California, and San Diego was one of them. And by options, I mean places to just drive the vo and, and take the old wagon and see what happened and, and hit the ground running. And one of the things that made San Diego the most enticing option um, among places such as the Bay Area, Los Angeles, the broader Southwest, and, and, and a few other potential destinations, what, what made San Diego such an enticing one among the, the many great things about this area was actually Cholos, was, was Club Tijuana and Liga MX as a whole, a league that, that has been a part of, of my life going back to my childhood in Watsonville, California, and having a very strong Mexican-American upbringing and, and being connected to Mexican 
soccer as a whole and, and seeing Cholos as this beautiful thing here in Tijuana and San Diego, but also seeing Cholos as a potential door into a career in Mexican football as a broadcaster, as a writer, as a fan, as a podcaster, as a mezcal sipper, as a whatever <laughs> it may be. And three years later, here we are in your living room. So uh, here's nice. to much more of that as well. Yeah. Nice, nice. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. very exciting. The only um, uh, experience that I have with the Cholos is the story of the last time we went to uh, Baja. We were we stayed in Valle de Guadalupe yes. in a hotel called I the didn't Ho- know you were gonna Hotel tell the story. Boutique. It's this <laughs> now is I'm a, this is, yeah. So we were at the Hotel Boutique, and it was a weeknight. It was a Monday, mm-hmm. I believe. It was yeah, oh Sunday, 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 Sunday night, night or Monday, okay. yeah. Sunday night. So. We basically had the place to ourselves, and it was mostly Mexican nationals there. So we go to the hot tub, and and there it was very small. It's called a hotel boutique. It's very intimate. And we kept hearing Mark Anthony blaring from the hot tub. And I was like, dang, I mean, these people really just want to take over the place. So I'm like, let's... And I'm like, well, we sh- it's a couple. We, I kept looking, and I'm like, finally, I said, you know, forget it. This is a public, you know, uh, uh, hot tub. So we go in and it's this totally buff, looks like a like a Greek god type of guy in his in his speedos, and I'm like whoa! And then the girl was gorgeous. She was wearing very very little clothing. Go on. So we're just <laughs> hanging out, and I'm like whoa! Well, it ends up being that it was what is his name? The, the striker Ariel. It was okay. It was it was Ariel Nahuelpan. Yeah, and is he from Argentina? He is from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah, I think, well, it was so funny because I had no idea I was a cholo. <laughs> so I was like whispering, I'm like, this guy is like a player. Like he, this guy is like you know like this. He owns the place. He's got this gorgeous girl. He's a very uh, 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 mythical kind of quality about him. Just the, yeah. the, the way that he looks in, yeah. in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, so, there yeah. You go. And, and I could not, and I Quite and I moment. and I under and I and I knew. That they were from Argentina is what it seemed like so it was funny because when obviously he was speaking to Adriana in Spanish yeah and she could tell right away that she goes I think he's from Argentina there is a distinct Argentine voice and an accent and it is contagious in all the best ways if mm-hmm. if you are around uh especially argentine football players and 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 just around the culture the language there's a, a sound to the to the tongue of of everything that is said that is just a little bit different mm-hmm. and growing up with mexican style spanish even having experience with just listening to to the, the Spanish language from Spain and La Liga soccer growing up with, with watching La Liga and then hearing Spanish commentary, but growing up especially with Mexican soccer commentary oh, and yeah. then having this, this Argentino influence. And I, I've become so infatuated with the, uh, with the Argentine accent and everything that it is. And sooner or later, I'll be, I'll be sipping my mate after the games, just like all the players I look up to. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that story. Yeah. That, was, that was very nice. Thank and I'm glad, well, I'm glad also that Ariana Walpan is enjoying the, uh, the fruits of, <laughs> of Baja California and heading out uh, to the Valle. Yes, yes, yes. So I thought I would just start off by letting, sure, that story. letting all of our, li- our listeners know that I do have some personal game in this podcast. Uh, and then, of course, but all jokes aside, um, you know, I am interested to get into uh, getting into, like, the experience of going to a Cholo game because that's something I really want to do. So okay. hopefully we'll get in, uh, in a little bit. You yeah, know, no, let's it, jump into that. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of... I'm a big sports fan, uh, you know, season ticket holder for lots of different San Diego sports teams through the years. And I've told Adriana since we've met I want to go to a Cholos game and I've, I just I've never gone and this is coming from someone who visits Baja California right. yeah right often yes I yes. mean heck we've got a podcast about Baja California yeah. and I just haven't gone yeah. for I would say specifically for maybe San Diegans or folks from America that are going traveling down what would uh what would the experience be like? What would be the best way to go? Should you drive? Should you park? Should you tailgate? Should you walk across and go go to Telefonica and have some food before? What would you suggest? Um, I was listening to you sort of reel off those mini questions one by one. And in my head, I was going, yes, 
Yes, yes, yes, yes, yes, yes, see, 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 yes, check, check, check. Yeah. Um, yes to all of that. Yeah. Those are all great options. And I think sort of uh, what you just kind of spelled out there purely in the question that you asked kind of uh, says to me um, more than I could really say to, to anyone here. It's, it's, it's right there. It's, it's all of yeah. those things are so easily accessible. You take a trolley to the border. You get down to the border, you could park near the border, walk across, take an Uber to the stadium, and you're in one of the most euphoric, unique, mm. special, ruggedly romantic uh, places in all of, of Western America. And I, I consider Tijuana part of you know the, the broader Western United States, just right. we're talking about the broader Southwest and, right. and your roots in, in Texas, Adriana. We were talking about New Mexico and Arizona in the intro to this. <laughs> and I, I look at Tijuana as obviously a, a big part of that, and especially with our cross-border community here. And you are instantly in literally by a, a trip to the border, across to the border, and an Uber ride or a taxi ride, however you want to get to the stadium, if you want to stop for food along the way, or you want to head to the parking lot at Estadio Caliente, which is what I'm referring to. I'm not actually even talking about the the game itself. I'm not even talking about the soccer. I'm purely talking about what's going on yeah. outside uh, of Estadio Caliente. And you've seen all the pictures and videos and, and heard mm -hmm. the stories, and, and I know you want to be a part of it, and anybody out there listening to this, um, the parking lot tailgate at Estadio Caliente is a, a sight and culture to behold because mm. it is truly a, a Mexican-American hybrid. It is the mm. only place in Fútbol Mexicano where there is a, a tailgate. A tailgate right. is a very American. traditionally American right. concept. Yep. It's a tailgate consisting of tons of asaderos and, mm. and everything is carne asada and yes. and roasted chicken based and mm. everything is is based around Mexican cuisine for the most part. I mean, there's people doing burgers and hot dogs as well, but for the most part it is Mexican cuisine in a barbecue line parking lot. There are banda groups. There's people who bring their own ranchero groups. There's five different styles of music being played in the parking lot mm. at any time. There's network celebrities faces out there doing pregame video shoots there's so much going on and it really is a representation of all that I think this cross-border community can be and it's funny we're talking about all this stuff and we still haven't actually gotten to the, the soccer itself so this is just the parking lot outside so wh whether it's you Dom or or anybody out there listening um, come on down I would love to connect and and just kind of show you around just the parking lot itself and and then get you inside Estadio Caliente for some uh, Liga MX action with Cholos. Yeah, oh, I mean man, just the way you awesome. kind of paint the picture I of know, tailgating. I know, I was just about to say. We, you know, being from San Diego, we would tailgate at Padre games and right. at Charger games right. and and you know, San Diegans are a prideful bunch. We think we know how to tailgate, right, and everything, but right. it sounds like uh, we might be outdone in Tijuana. Nah, you know what's <laughs> funny though that that you say it that way cuz you go down there and and you see SDSU flags. Mm -hmm. You see mm -hmm. Padre decals on, mm -hmm. on people's cars next to their Sholo decal. And, nice. and you, t you talk about the Sholo's decal and you see that dog everywhere. You see that club crest so many places around the South Bay, around San Diego County, yeah. and of course all around TJ itself and, and all around Baja. But specifically here on the U.S. side of the border, you see that, that Sholo's logo everywhere. And uh, one of my radio colleagues and a man I, I very much look up to, Michael Halloran, who is a, a famous radio voice mm -hmm. here in mm -hmm. uh, San Diego for many years and, and works with me uh, at More FM as the program director. Halloran talks about the Sholo, says that he compares Sholos to, he's a, a motorcycle man, he is a, a biker through and through, and he compares Sholos to Harley Davidson. And that's kind of the analogy that he makes, where he's more of a, a music guy, and he looks at Sholos connecting with the, the culture of, of Baja as much as it connects with the, the sports and we love soccer, we love football, we love the passion of the game, but Cholos have something special, something unique, something different where that that logo, that logo's just it's badass. It's yeah. cool. People love yeah. putting it on the back mm -hmm, of their yeah. trucks the mm -hmm. way that I, I love that analogy from Halloran where he talks about it's like the Harley Davidson logo. Right. The way people mm -hmm. just, they see that logo and it just kind of represents, yeah, you know, yeah. Harley Davidson. And yeah. it's like that with Sholos for people. So it's about the soccer. 
And people want the soccer team to win. Uh, make no mistake about it. And they're passionate, knowledgeable fans who, who go to these games. But at the same time, it, it's always important to remember what this team means on a on a cultural level for, for this cross-border community. So I encourage everybody to to come check it out in person and, and be yeah. a part of it all. Well, let's talk about what the Cholos mean to the Tijuanese. Uh In 2012, they ascended to... First, yes. they, they won their 2011. 2011. And then in one year, were founded in 2007. I mean, that's something that a, a yeah, lot of amazing. people forget about so often is, is this team right now in 2019. If you talk about a football club as a human being or as kind of a human spirit, this is a 12-year-old. Right. This is a 12-year-old who, who won it all, who, who became king of, king of their country at age five. Right. It's an extraordinary story when you yeah. think about the history of you have teams like America and Chivas who are celebrating 100-year anniversaries. Wow. You have, have teams who were founded in the 1940s and, and teams who, who have these great histories going back to the 60s and the 70s and these glory eras. Tijuana, uh, the, the Cholos, are a, a 12-year-old. And they came up and they conquered all of it. You talk about stepping up to the plate in 2012 and, and it really is just a, an incredible story. And I think uh, uh, something that is always important to remember is that it also it set the bar very high for a lot of people. And mm. that might not have been – it's a good thing in 99 ways out of 100. The one way that it might not be is that it sets expectations that maybe are a little bit unfair from time to time where people mm -hmm. thought, oh, this is easy. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen all the time. Been in the first division, we were a lower league team, a second division Mexican side, ascended after just four years in the second division, made it up to the top flight, won Liga MX in their first calendar year in the league in 2012, in December of 2012. And then I think a lot of people, as prideful as they were about it, I think kind of got some expectations that that was how it was going to be. And <laughs> that's not how it's been. And that was never how it was going to be. And I think what I always talk about in that regard and I wasn't actually here for that obviously we talked about that before we started recording so I've learned about all this just by listening to people and and just mm -hmm. hearing these incredible stories uh from from people on both sides of the border but specifically in Tijuana checking out the fabulous documentary Club Frontera and and everything that goes into uh Tijuana's team and and the story of 2012 it it set people up for high expectations and and what i've kind of gathered from everything i've listened to is that the most important thing to do now is to look at 2012 as all the more impressive mm -hmm. where it makes it all the more amazing what mm -hmm. that team and that club did for a community plagued by stereotypes and and hatred and stepped on by everyone from every different angle what that 2012 season from cholos did for the community it, it, it for me these high expectations that I think are sometimes maybe a little bit too much and sometimes maybe plague the fan base a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think even with that, it makes 2012 all the more important. Yeah, and, and really, you got to tip magical. your cap. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but can you, can you kind of make a connection to how impressive that was from going to a from a second division to a first division and then winning the winning the championship to something that would happen in the states is it like a worst to first scenario it's a bit of a of a mix of like a worst to first you have expansion team expansion, stories yeah. in in American sports or U.S. sports that I don't really like comparing there because then you cancel out the, the promotion from the second division and, right. and everything that went into the ascent up to mm -hmm. the top flight. I mean, the only thing that, that I can compare, it's another soccer one, uh, would be uh, Leicester City winning the Premier League back in 2016, or even what uh, Iceland has done on an international soccer level. I think there's, if anything, comparisons to even small college sports here in the U.S., if anything, like a Cinderella story sure. in, in uh, college basketball sure. or, or something like that. But it's really, with all of that being said, I think uh, so unique. And, and I understand that you actually went to school with uh, Chris Cashman, one of the directors of Club Frontera, so a shameless plug uh, for, for the documentary, and I think kind of the documentary could do a much better job than I could do trying to explain here. So it I is. encourage everybody, uh, when you're done listening to this episode mm -hmm. yeah. of Tales from Baja, to go out and watch 
uh, Club Frontera mm-hmm. and get a little background on the uh, the Sholo story and kind of what we're trying to equate it to because yeah. uh, uh, it's it's so difficult to equate it to anything. It was really special and, and unique to itself. Yeah, the, the one thing I took away from that documentary, uh, Chris had a showing at our high school, at St. Augustine High School, yeah. and this was five, six months ago. And uh, I went... And what I took away from it was how important it was to the people of Tijuana and how Tijuana, there's people from all over the world that live in Tijuana. And this was something that in many respects brought everyone together, the unifying front. And so I thought that was kind of a unique thing that that came out of the film. It was really a a lesson for me from day one about this team in regards to its its most local roots and and what the the city of Tijuana means to Cholos and vice versa and and what the club means what the people all mean to each other the Cholo familia is this the Cholo landia as we call it kind of the the broader Cholo fan base all kind of coming together. Mm for this team and and really learning from I think it was after about five or six months of going to games and coming down here and covering games as a writer, covering games as a broadcaster, as a fan, as as everything, and and really soaking in every layer of the culture. It was a cup match, a Copa MX match, a sort of a what you might call a, a mid shelf or second rate match. It was a midweek night. Tuesday night against a lower division opponent and I remember going to this game and there was no tailgate that night there was Mm -hmm. uh, a a half-filled stadium that night and they made tickets very cheap that night it was not a a, a glamorous romantic game it wasn't a a home game against an America or a a Pumas or Chivas or anything Mm -hmm. like that it was I think they were playing I I can't even Correcaminos or or somebody from from the second division and I remember that night being one of the greatest lessons that I learned where I'm so enamored with, for good reason, something that I'm very proud of and still profess everywhere I go, about the cross-border culture, about el equipo sin fronteras and everything that that means in terms of bringing, in the face of bigotry and hatred in in this age, bringing both sides Mm -hmm. of the border together for one. And I get so lost in that. That night against... Correcaminos, if if I'm not mistaken, in this this kind of off-brand cup match on a on a Tuesday night in a half-empty stadium, was such a great lesson because it was all locals that night. There was mm-hmm. nobody coming down from San Diego that night. Nobody was coming down for that match, mm-hmm. and just to see everybody there that night, and it was cold. This was in like early January, and it's just mm-hmm. one of those kind of off and on little damp Baja mid forty degree nights, and everyone's mm-hmm. just freezing their butts off in the stands and still out there supporting their team. Fifteen, sixteen thousand people, and that was that was one of the best lessons that I've taken away from all the times that all, all the great nights that I'd love to tell you stories about, and all mm-hmm. these great goal calls and broadcasts and interview moments and in the high high intensity high passion top shelf moments now it's actually that that midweek kind of rugged night that i'll never forget because that was the night where i learned what the team meant to tijuana a lot of people who don't have the privilege to cross the border routinely who don't get to live a a cross border life like i do and i saw nothing but locals there that night and and it was a a very valuable experience and for that i will i will always be grateful to to the people of tijuana first and foremost in this as i try to spread this gospel of cross-border soccer i wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the people of tijuana building this thing in the first place So here in San Diego, you do um, you, you're on a station that is uh, that has both Spanish and English. Yes. Right. Um, so when can you tell us a little bit about the listeners here? I mean, are you? I mean, it's instead of Tijuana, so you get both the American. Yep. And you know, so it's all in English, right? My Sholos uh, broadcasts yep. are in English, and that's a, a very important thing because yeah. English language coverage of Liga MX is yeah. something that needs to expand because you have right. an entire uh, generation in terms of the, the Mexican-American millennial or whatever generational yeah. term you want to use mm-hmm. who is a, a, or who are 
people who routinely speak both languages right. or speak one or the other and have connections to the other. And we need to remember that that's not just a small demographic. That's not a niche audience. Right. We're talking about millions right. of people. We're talking about uh, people who are maybe learning Spanish, who would love to get more into Mexican soccer, who could use a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, a crutch, right. uh, a way to kind of mm -hmm. ease in. Well, here's English language coverage yeah. of the Mexican League, as you better be on that Rosetta Stone or whatever program you're using and, and <laughs> right, getting right, that Spanish right. going, but we'll help guide you in. Here, listen to the, the English language. We have people who speak fluent Spanish and speak hardly any English who actually are, are, are telling us that they're tuning into these broadcasts anyway and sort of kind of learning English through them, and that That's means wonderful. the world to me. That's yeah. the power of communication mm -hmm. kind of manifesting itself very slowly but beautifully, and uh, all of those things are reasons why English language coverage of Mexican soccer, and there's so many more things I could mention there, all of those things are reasons, though, why it's such an important thing where mm -hmm. you could watch the English Premier League, for instance, the, the a game, a, a weekend of Premier League matches, you could watch it in a hundred different languages. Mm -hmm. There's a hundred different broadcast contracts from around the world to mm -hmm. cover the Premier League, and you're telling me we can't have two for League MX, you're telling me that, that we can't make English language coverage of the league that routinely has the highest television ratings of any league mm -hmm. in the world as far as American audiences mm -hmm. because there is a built-in fan base of, of Mexican-Americans and, and Mexican nationals who are, are proud American citizens or live in this country and, and they deserve to be uh, uh, treated fairly in mm -hmm. terms of coverage and, and given something that has has been something that I've craved for a long time, and now I get to be part of helping make it happen. So that means yeah, means cool. the world. That's it it seems cool. like a, like a, at least a game of the week, right? <laughs> and there is, and and to a lot of folks' credits, it is important. As I sort of you know step off my soapbox for a second, it's important yeah. to tip the cap to people who are at much higher levels than myself pushing this same envelope sure. and making sure. these types of things happen at major networks, at, at major outlets, giving English language written coverage to this league the way that it deserves and, and so many different uh, levels of, of media attention. And, and this league is something that if the American soccer, if the average American soccer fan or even just the average American sports fan were given the right exposure to Liga MX, the right exposure to the Cholos, the right exposure to Football Mexicano through the Cholos, people would fall in love. You've already seen it happen countless times here in this area, and it would be on a, a major American level. And, and what a great tool against everything we're kind of faced with these days in terms of misunderstanding and people basing everything on, on hate and stereotypes in these days and what they're kind mm -hmm. of fed through mass media consumption. What better way to defeat that than through soccer, the game that brings us all together? Yeah, the beautiful game. The the amount of Americans that are traveling down to games, it might be different on a Tuesday night versus a, a Saturday night, yeah. but is there a large contingent? There is a huge contingent. That yeah. night that, that I was referring to back in, yeah. I think it was January of 17, that was the outlying sure. kind of night, but I was so glad that I was able to be a part of it. Routinely, yeah. there is mass cross-border traffic for oh. the Sholos, specifically for the Sholos. Yeah. They, they estimate that... Of a, of a crowd of 27,000 that you'd have uh, about 8,000 uh, coming down from the South Bay or from the U.S. side of the border. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. It's incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a significant portion of, of the Cholos fan base. It's a huge part of the ethos of the team, uh, yeah. the people that are coming down from the U.S. side, for sure. And when you think of Baja, California, you look at all of the, you know, Tijuana, I think, is the largest city, right, in Baja California? Yes, yes. Mexicali, so, actually the capital, surprisingly. Is, but, is larger than Tijuana? But Tijuana is the largest largest city. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And when you with professional teams, the Cholos, you have the Toros, is there Mexican baseball in Mexicali? There is a, a very good uh, Mexican baseball out in, uh, in Mexicali. There's the, uh, the Aguilas, who play mm. in the Winter League. And then the Toros, the uh, Tijuana baseball team, which I also encourage everybody to check out. Talk about 
nostalgia just flowing i mean beautiful beautiful stuff uh with the toros de tijuana the the professional baseball team down in tj um but yeah there is uh, professional sports out in mexicali and then uh baseball out in tj but as far as population goes as far as the the hub i mean this is one of my favorite stats actually people talking about san diego and tijuana if it were one if it were counted in the way that the Bay right. Area is counted, the right. way that New York City is counted, the way that a lot of people sort of do that with um, uh, with various census reports and such, mm-hmm. that San Diego and Tijuana would be like the fourth largest uh, metropolitan area like in a Dallas. It would be you know? it would be extraordinary, and so mm-hmm. it, it it is in many ways. If we just continue living the life that that we want to live here, in, in the face of all this, there's no yeah. reason that 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 can't just be something that we sort of aspire to, and and in many ways uh, just live out on a daily basis. Let's make it this great metropolitan community. That's what we're that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Dominic cool. always oh he always says that he always says people don't take into account, you know the huge metropolis that we have across the border and it's so true you know all the people that commute i mean we always hear it's so interesting the political climate uh, around the border is 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 such a different reality of what we live what we complain about is the line getting back is too long you know (laughs) the access to it you know is, is 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 I mean, that's the reality. It's what we discuss. Oh, okay, well, what's the best time to avoid traffic? Right. You know, mm-hmm. the, the weight um, and all the things that we do to try to, you know, combat that, getting century passes and global entry and, and really, you know, trying to, to promote this, you know, commute, which we used to have uh, before, you right. know, all of this political climate, you know, began, unfortunately. I think the the importance of of spreading the message of how I mean kind of sadly important what you just said is that I said the exact same thing on uh, a recent podcast with uh, KPBS who mm-hmm. are producing this fabulous new series called Only Here that is all Ooh. about our cross border community and they oh. did a special on Cholos and What's and the Cholos only fans here? Only Here the Only, only here, here podcast only from here. KPBS uh, oh, my homie oh, Alan Lilienthal uh, helping produce it uh, Kinsey Moreland some fantastic independent artists uh, in in our cross border community some some hip hop artists some professional radio folks so many great great mm-hmm. minds uh, together on this podcast and and i had the privilege of of being on it and they actually produced a great little video piece uh, uh featuring me that you can check out on on the instagram page you can check out wherever follow mm-hmm. only here though don't don't just click on my account make sure to give some love to uh, the only here podcast because we talked about exactly what you just touched on there adriana where it shouldn't be that big of a deal but it is and and yeah. it's important for us to realize that we are doing something that shouldn't be that important, but by doing it, it it, it is something. It is something in the face of, of all this nonsense that, right. that is just kind of spread everywhere. The more that we can show others, no, this isn't that big of a deal. Come with me. Yeah. We're heading to the Sholos game. Mm-hmm. Hop right. on in. Walk by my side. We're going down. This isn't that big of a deal. Enjoy yourself. Right. Have a good time. But it ain't no big deal. Yeah. And the more that we can spread that, the yes. better. So uh, yes. uh, again, check out the uh, the Only Here podcast, and and I love kind of bringing the the podcast sin fronteras culture uh, yeah. together, yeah. cross promotion among independent artists. So uh, support nice. it all. Support Dales from Baja and and everyone else doing what you guys are trying to do, what I'm trying to do with More FM, and and that is bring this region together in in any way that Thank we can. You. Yes, and that's, that's really right. what. Yeah, that's what uh, what KPBS's podcast is about. Exactly. That's what our podcast yep. is about. We, when we decided to do this podcast, we were kind of kicking around different ideas. You know, what are what are things that we love to do together? And there are tons of people that go down and visit Baja California. There are a lot, but there's also a lot that don't. Right. Oh, and right. for whatever reason, and we just wanted to introduce the people in the places of Baja mm-hmm. to people. Right. So they could experience it for themselves. There's so many neat stories. I mean, you have a great story of growing up in Northern California, coming down to San Diego to have a little more access to Liga MX. Exactly. And here you are. You're the English play-by-play voice for the Cholos. That's a cool story. That's really There's, cool. Um, we mentioned it before on a previous podcast, but uh, we interviewed a gentleman who decided about, I don't know, 10 years ago he was going to retire in Rosarito. Yeah. He retires 
four years, five years after he retires, he got bored. So he opened up a restaurant. Didn't know anything about the restaurant industry. He opened one up right next to Las Gaviotas. And now he's on his second restaurant now, which is a, a, gelato. a gelato. And it's just like a cool story of someone coming from Arizona down there to retire. But then he wants to start business. And he, you know, he has a bunch of employees now. He's giving back to the community. It's a, it's a nice story. So, and there's tons of those stories. Yeah, I mean, we are, I mean, the largest frontera, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. think we're larger than... Largest border uh, crossing in the world. In the world, yeah. The most yeah. busy border crossing that's right. in the world. Yeah, was, and, and that's yeah. sometimes, you know, you, you know we, we look at it as, oh, you know, it's our little border crossing. No, it's, it's the largest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have a tremendous, I mean, we just discussed how big... Our, our combined metropolis area is, right. you know, if, 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 we, if we could. But we really should. At the end of the day, I mean, how many people cross the border every day? Do we know? I mean, it's got to be a lot. a lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. Wish I had the number handy. Yeah. Well, and, and then <laughs> well, it's taken Tijuana, uh-huh. Otay Mesa, Otay Mesa Tecate. It's a lot of people crossing. And, yeah. and, there's, and I think maybe where, what people don't realize so much is that People are crossing both ways right. for work. Right. Right. There right. are people that live in San Diego that go south to work. And there are people and down vice south versa. that come to San Diego. Exactly. It's yep. the same. People going to school oh, on both yes. sides. Oh, I mean, Dominic grew up with, uh, when he went to school in St. Augustine. Of course. He had kids that, when back then, it was easier to cross. Yeah. I mean... No, I know the, many, yeah. many different stories of, of that, that that still that still currently existed with, with schools in, in San Isidro. And so it, yeah. it's something that, again, those are things that we sort of, I think, uh, sometimes are, are, are jaded by in an in a almost good way mm-hmm. where we are accustomed to these things that just don't really seem like anything to yeah. us. Mm-hmm. It's just part of mm-hmm. our life. And then other people hear about that and they go, wait, what? Really? Mm-hmm. People just cross for work every day people just cross for school every day and you have to remember that it's it's unfortunate but that millions upon millions of people in these united states are are not clearly they're not on the border living where we are but they're also basing everything that they're thinking on what they've been fed through whatever their mass media consumption is and however the media chooses to cover the border and it doesn't matter i'm not even getting into you know right-wing politics and liberal politics no it's it's all when you watch it watch it with the sound off that's what I always tell people. Turn the sound off of any network news and just watch watch the headlines. Watch the wordage of border coverage. Yeah. Listen to the hyperbole or just just look with with the print of it. Turn the sound off and just watch for a couple minutes anytime a border story comes on and just the adjectives that are used are are so sensationalized and and so over the top and again, the more that we can get people to come here and just experience something and have them go. This is a great response at the end of, of someone experiencing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Huh. That was pretty enjoyable. That wasn't that big of a deal. I might come back and do that again. Mm-hmm. Success. There we go. That's what we're going for here because, yeah. Yeah. again, it's, it's, it's a troublesome kind of thing that we're up against. But I'm, I'm still confident that, that we can break down these, these walls, for lack of a better way to put it, of, of stereotypes and, and things that, that people believe because it's all they've been fed. It's all they've, mm-hmm. they've, 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 been, they've been given. So let's give people a, a dose of positive reality here yeah. with uh, Tales from Baja. When I hear... Uh... What's fun for me is when I hear someone going down to Baja, California for the first time, or it's the first time they've gone down in, say, 10 or 15 right, years. Right, right. And then what they share with us. Mm-hmm. How, oh, my gosh, it was so fun. You know, we went here, we went there, we did this. And, and that's kind of a, a, another reason that we do this, to kind mm-hmm. of share those stories. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to take a left turn here. Okay. Uh, you also are one of the voices of the San Diego soccer. Yes, indeed. Uh, major, major arena, arena soccer, soccer league, league and, and regardless of, of the, the league, I, I love the MASL. I love everything about the, the current major arena soccer league, but the history of, of the soccer's club and the crest, it is so entrenched in uh, San Diego sports history. It is. It's a, it's the winningest 
franchise in San Diego <laughs> in our history. Great of, legacy, uh, every everything about it. So it's that's something again. Talk about privilege to be a part of coming down here as a, a relative newbie sure. to the area to sure. to get to to be a part of that history and and that culture. So I'm very glad you you brought that up and shout out to uh, fellow La Mesa. Uh, resident Craig Elston. Craig Elston. Shout out to our friend Craig. Yeah, marketing director for the San Diego Soccer. And my he did wonderful, a job. wonderful co-commentator, and uh, for for a lot of people, the voice uh, of the San Diego Soccer's. And and it has been so nice to work alongside Mr. Elston as the uh, other voice or second voice or co-host, as as we like to uh, uh, call it here <laughs> on this uh, Tales from Baja podcast. Yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's been awesome working with Craig. And uh, shout out to everybody with the soccers yeah that's cool and and so this year uh craig and the team in the front office they they signed landon donovan they did in january uh regarded by many as the greatest u.s soccer player of all time indeed and uh brought a ton of energy to the arena it it was a ton of fun i have a question about landon donovan that has nothing to do with the soccers let me check my lawyers real quick (laughs) So a couple years ago, I yes. could be wrong here, uh, he signs with Lyon. This was back in January of 2018. 2018, yes. he signs with Lyon. And um, Lyon is is a rival of Tijuana, correct? Yeah. So if, one if, of their rivals, If Cholos right? had a quote-unquote rival, it's hard to have a rival if you're only a 12-year-old club, sure. but they have sure. some very interesting history uh, with Lyon, with La Fiera, with a, a team that I actually have some very uh, uh, deep kind of connections with, which I'll, I'll, I'll briefly tell about on the podcast, but I, I try to actually keep very kind of uh, right. <laughs> buried and hidden considering my current uh, role with Sholos in the, uh, the Sholo community. But let's just say uh, I had some friends from Guanajuato growing up, mm-hmm. and Leon were a second division team for a long time and, and were mired in a slump. And I had much love for Leon through the friends from Guanajuato. Again, I keep that a little bit uh, uh, down low these days. But uh, you're, not, uh, you're not wearing a green jersey not these dates not these dates but uh we we continue with uh with what you were talking about landon donovan but yeah so landon signs with leon well at that time there was uh an initiative on the ballot to -hmm. to bring an mls team to san diego and landon was uh, uh, a a very big supporter of that and i always thought you know when he signed with leon i had no idea he was going to sign with leon i thought gosh it would have been great had he signed with tijuana i mean it would have brought maybe a little more publicity to Soccer City, uh, which was the initiative in San Diego. So I don't know anything about why he signed with Leon. Maybe they just wanted him as a player. I don't know. But like, do you see the parallel where he, you know, if he would have signed with Tijuana, I'm not saying that anything other than yeah. the close connection to San Diego would have. Let's maybe... just say uh, you weren't the only person. Okay. Uh, so to to, to say this or or bring this up, there were some uh, nuances to say the least with why uh, Landon went to play for Leon. Um, my opinion and a lot of people's opinion, and again, I'll keep this very brief, was that Leon kind of flubbed the the whole thing a little bit in the end, where uh, they they could have done a lot more with it. Uh, a lot of people kind of questioned everyone's motives with it but at the end of the day everything was legit you know the the check cleared the uh the no one was publicly upset with anyone there seemed right. to be some good handshakes and and abrazos and see you laters no one right. was you know slandering anyone or anything like yeah. that but with that being said, it was a very short-lived kind of lot of high hopes for it at the beginning, and then sure. it sort of just drifted off into oblivion. It so was one season, correct? It was uh, yeah, one one semester sure. season, and yeah. but again, the the check cleared, and Landon came back here, and and then became a part of of the San Diego Soccer's and and everything that he was trying to do politically and, and getting Soccer City going here, I, I commend Landon for being mm-hmm. a citizen of the game um, uh, above all else. And he's someone who I've been following since he was 19 years old uh, yeah. when he was a rookie with the San Jose Earthquakes when I was going to watch him play as a, as a 10, 11-year-old kid uh, in, in my hometown of Watsonville and going up to Spartan Stadium in San Jose. So I've got a lot of crazy kind of history with Landon and, and a lot of roller coaster kind of love-hate stuff over the years with the Galaxy and, and everything with the, the movie 
building of the San Jose earthquakes back in 05 and, and so many different components of Landon's career and, and to see it all come very much full circle uh, this year where, where this man who is without a doubt a legend and you call him quite possibly the greatest player in, in American soccer history and, and only Clint Dempsey could have a claim uh, to that throne other than Landon and, and seeing that guy with everything that I've known about him throughout his career coming to be a part of the soccers this year and getting to to be on the pitch interviewing him on national television um was quite a trip let's just say it was quite the trip and uh very very grateful for for every bit of it and and grateful for you know how candid uh landon has been about things that's why i don't really have you know much of an issue i'm not going to talk too much in depth about about certain things but as far as landon's pathway to the soccers it's a trip for me personally Mm -hmm. seeing this all this this dude who i was watching when he was a 19 year old and uh here he is now this last year as a 37 year old as a 37 year old rookie watching him again uh, as a as a rookie out there for the soccers um that was really really cool and i hope that you out there listening you got a chance to to head to the sports arena or or any any part of it and be a part of uh, of of that thrill that that you're talking about don yeah it was Mm. fun i think it was february 15th that might have been was you remember the date off top that uh, shows yeah no it, it was fun we went i went with uh one of my daughters my brother he brought his daughter and um it was a great experience, and it was nice to see that energy in the arena. And he st- he stuck around afterwards, signing autographs hour, and everything. Hour at least. So it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. But hey, we we really appreciate your time. It is being so on good. Tales from Baja we to be out here with you guys. Yeah, you've you've you're the most eloquent. Uh, oh. No, oh. <laughs> oh, easy, yes. easy. Your no. co-host, your co-host is pretty eloquent as well. The most eloquent co-host. <laughs> Thank Quite you. eloquent co-host, but no, you you're you're very informative and have a lot of passion, and not just for you know the sports, but obviously uh, the the this this border crossing culture that we are all uh, trying to promote collectively. So that is really really cool that that we have that huge commonality of obviously of other than the obvious, which is. Sports. Yeah. Well, it's funny. She says that you have passion, and she is yet to hear you call a goal. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll save that for uh, for my next uh, appearance. Yeah. I only had a, a very small little uh, sampling of the mezcal today, so uh, <laughs> next uh, edition of Tales from Baja that I'm on, we'll have to uh, we'll expand yes. the uh, mezcal tasting level, and then uh, then we'll get into uh, some goal calls and some broadcasting style. But I just want to say uh, before we wrap up that. The, that word passion means everything uh, to me. And one thing specifically that I have a passion for is projects like yours, projects mm-hmm. like this. It's something where I hear about one and, and that's how it happened. You yes. connect over social media. Someone reaches out to someone. Mm-hmm. Someone sends a message. Someone sends a tweet. And sooner or later, you're in the same room sipping mezcal on the podcast promoting cross-border culture. And that's what I got a passion for is projects like yours. This is independent Aww. art and I want to keep promoting things like that. So Thank it is so a, a pleasure and a privilege to, to be a part of this project. And I encourage you out there to keep supporting Tales from Baja and everybody doing independent art in any form within this cross-border community. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. You want to give a shout out for your Instagram handle, or your, all that, your Twitter <laughs> yes, yes, and all please. that? Troll for followers while I'm here, of course. Um, <laughs> at Nate Abarea on all of the above. I think at Nate space Abarea. Uh, A-B-A-U-R-R-E-A for uh, any of you uh, Basque language fans uh, yes, out there. Yeah, Nate Abarea on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow me, reach out. And what I said earlier about come on down, that sort of open invitation uh, to, to show those games and to Tijuana. I've had people from China, people from Arizona, people from Northern California, and this is just in the last, people from England, and this is just in the last year, uh, people who've mm-hmm. come out and uh, gone down for a Sholos game. So nice. again, I'm not just blowing smoke here. Hit me up. Let's get you down to a Sholos game. Whoever you are, and most definitely you, Dom, most definitely you, oh, Adriana, let's get you down as soon as possible. First game next season, we're getting you there. Awesome. Perfect. Well, vamos Cholos. Vamos Cholos. Fuerza Tijuas. Voz de la guitarra mía Al despertar la mañana Que 
quiere cantar su alegría a mi tierra. Canto a tus volcanes, a tus praderas y flores, que son como talismanes del amor de Dios.